Hello and welcome back to our coverage of The Walking Dead. It is season nine, episode eight, the mid-season finale. Can you believe it? Bloody good it was. Bloody hell. Bloody hell. Uh, Evolution, this episode is called, directed by Michael E. Satrazimus. Um, (laughs) And the first half of season nine is is done and gone. Um, It's been interesting. So why don't we just get cracking, talk about the half-season finale and what we think is going on. Mm. Yeah? Everyone happy with that? Yes. yes, I'm Len and this is John, by the way. <laughs> Jesus. About to... Oh, my God. It's all right. She's had a drink. Don't Hacky worry. San. Fucking hell. So uh, before we probably get cracking, I will introduce uh, myself. I'm Emma, your host. Apologies for my absence last week. Um, mm. I was hiding out in a barn. Thanks for that, guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm back and I'm also joined by Len. Hello. And John. Howdy. Needy, both of them. Before we start the podcast discussion proper, here is a spoiler warning. We will be discussing events and characters up to and including Season 9, Episode 8, the mid-season finale. This will um, incorporate storylines and characters from the comics in Comic Corner at the end, but do not fret. If you want to avoid those comic spoilers, you can just switch off when we get there. We'll give you ample warning and we'll even cue the music. So let's kick off with overall thoughts on the episode. As I've been away for a week, I'm going to kick off with my feelings on this Whoa. one. If anything, we should go first. <laughs> if anything, I'm the you host. you dropping so... us in it last week? Well, <laughs> did I? Did I really? I gave you 12 hours notice. <clears throat> Plenty of time. Plenty of time. So I'll also include my blueberry score and a simple explanation of that for anybody who is by now not familiar with our rating structure. Emma, what is the blueberry score? Well, let me tell you, John. The blueberry score is firm but fair. You are rating between zero. Very firm. And five blueberries. Uh, there can be no halves, so it is very, very simple. Whole blueberries only. Um, I quite enjoyed this episode, actually. And yeah. I thought, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it came with a few little surprises. Uh, it answers some questions that I had from last week. And um, we got to see some characters that I've been missing this half season. We'll get onto that in a bit more detail later. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I thought it was a nice ending to the first half of season nine. I mean, let's be fair. Angela Kang has done a smashing, smashing job of this so mm. far. Yep. Compared to the last two well seasons done, that we've had. Absolutely nailing it. Yeah, Gimple, rubbish, obviously. Uh, Kang, good so far. So let's yeah. crack on with that. <laughs> very simple. We'll keep yeah. that very simple. And speaking of simple, uh, my blueberry score for the mid-season finale is four out of five blueberries. Good score. Good score. Very good yeah. score. John, why don't you take us on to your thoughts and scores? Hello. Um, it's me again. Uh, I think I have to give an extra spoiler warning because yet again, uh, spot on. Uh, with deaths. I, I don't know how I do it, um, particularly Ugh. given my hate for this show last season. Um, I am now a writer of the show. Um, I I really enjoyed the episode. I'm going to go as far as to say this is the best half season thus far since uh, season five. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Kang has really turned it around. Yeah. Um, Just to clarify, not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Kang, Angela Kang. Yeah. Um, They look the same, though. Well, mm. they don't. They don't (laughs) at all. Um, Sorry, Angie. Uh, I'm going to give it four out of five. Um, I think it's been consistently good this season. I don't think it's had like... I mean, it hasn't had any five blueberries for me, um, but I will take multiple four blueberry episodes. Very good, very surprising, correct decision to kill Jesus off. Um, mm. So that's it. So, yeah. Mm. No, you're not allowed to ping <laughs> um, So, yeah. How about you, Lem? You know what? For the ending of this episode alone, I'm going to give it a five blueberry. Whoa! And I'll tell you why four. The tell use, us why four. The use of smoke and fog and ridiculous tension and sort of, for the first time, genuinely making the walkers seem so much more interesting, obviously because of the Whisperers, I felt was extremely effective and truly embraced Romero-esque techniques of, you know, tension and zombie horror. Agreed. Something we haven't seen, you know, we do get these set pieces, but 
this nighttime dark setting I felt was was genius. I'll Excellent. talk I'll talk more about it when we get into the positives and oh. negatives. I'm surprised they've never used a graveyard before, to be honest. They have with Daryl and Beth actually when uh, yeah, she was not taken to that away. Extent. No, not to the extent that we've got here. I found certain characters to be missing in this episode, which is a slight negative. However, mm. I did like the way that they've left us. I think it's a very good place to leave us. You are fearing for certain characters. You're intrigued about other characters and where they're going. And I think there's a lot of good comic material that they're really using quite well here and adapting to the situation they're in, uh, you know, when they're missing key characters like Carl and Rick. So... Mm. I'm going to give it a five. I think this is the most consistent half season ever. Um, I, I even think that season five had a couple of wobbles. Season one is obviously the best season by a mile. But uh, this, you know, it's a shame that more people aren't watching the show anymore. We were on the cusp of, you know, not covering it and not watching it. And I'm happy we have because it's actually made me fall in love again with the show to an extent. I enjoy waking up and watching it early here in the UK. I enjoy researching. I enjoy podcasting on it again. Last season was trying. It was difficult. It was, you know, we were tired. We were very drunk doing it because we felt that was the only way we could really talk about the show. Uh, you <laughs> that know, is true. Listen to us slurring towards the end of last season. It is hilarious. But uh, <laughs> so, yeah, five for me. Great work, Angela Kang. And I didn't think the show would be able to to survive without Rick. Or Carl. And I have to say the future for the show seems very bright. Well, that is an overwhelmingly positive round of scores. Well done, team. And well done, Angela. Well I think done, this Angela. is the best we've ever um Well done, felt. Kang. Best we've ever felt about a season of The Walking Dead. So before we kick off with positives and negatives, I'm sorry, it is time for an advert. <sighs> So, if you are enjoying this so far, we have loads of other great content on our Fan Critical channel and over at Castle Rock Critical, where we cover all things Stephen King. You can tune in to our retrospective reviews of Cujo, Pet Cemetery, The Dead Zone and Misery for our take on the books and their film or TV adaptations. And we'll be doing The Stand later this week. Not that's much hard work at all. Uh, not only that, we've just covered, well, two of the gang have just covered The Haunting of Hill House. Um, so do tune into that. Spooky. It is a very good uh, little listen. And if you are enjoying this, please do subscribe and send us a review. You can find us on all the major podcasting apps, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and anything else you probably think of, we're most likely there. Uh, but for now, let's get back to The Walking Dead. <laughs> Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Right, team. So let's talk about some of the things that we liked and some of the things we didn't like so much in this final episode of the first half of season nine. Uh, Len, do you want to give us one of your uh, positives to kick us off? Well, let's start with what I said is the most impressive section of the episode, which is the final, I'd say, 14 minutes or so, which all happen around that barn and graveyard sequence where the Whisperers have encircled the gang mm. using their excellent zombie rodeo skills, which mm-hmm. they will become more present as, this, as the next season goes on. And I found it to be haunting. I found it to be actually quite scary. I found that some of the characters' reactions were very good, like Daryl, you know, couldn't believe what he was seeing when the fireworks that didn't work and they were still following the guys. Eugene is obviously terrified and thinks it's some sort of evolution. Jesus and Aaron were struggling, you know, to comprehend what was going on. And it all culminated in what was some of the best choreography that the show has ever done. Oh, it was good. It, looked, was amazing. it, it actually looked believable. <clears throat> and it's the first time, and I know I criticised him last week, it's the first time that, that Jesus feels like Jesus from the comics. Mm. And it you know, we'll come on to negatives in a bit. I feel a bit annoyed that he was snatched away from us when he was just coming into that role. So (laughs) excellent stuff. Very Romero-esque, very, you know, decades ago, zombie horror sort of stuff. The use of the smoke machine. Yes, it's very, you know, cheesy, but the show excels when it embraces that element to itself and, Mm. and doesn't take itself mega seriously. So I loved it. I mean, it sounds like you guys really enjoyed it as well. Well, yeah, I mean, this is one of my positives as well. Um, I thought they did a fantastic job of it and they built it up really well beforehand. And, mm. you know, we, we mentioned in the kind of overall thoughts that they've only really used a graveyard once before minimally, but this setting was fantastic. And, yeah. and Jesus was spot on. That bit where he does that spinning kick and then smashes the zombie head with his foot. Yeah. Fucking epic. But <laughs> but it was, a, I think it was the perfect way to properly introduce 
what the whisperers are all about mm. um, and leave us with that cliffhanger to think about and you know for, for most of us who watch the walking dead and probably you guys that listen to this podcast to go off and find out more about them so when we come back next half season we can we can learn a bit more or we can come in with some assumptions about what's going to happen mm. i thought it was really well filmed really well set everybody acted fantastically in it and it brought a group of people together that i wasn't expecting to see in a scene yeah. together this episode and mm. john as someone who has recently read the comics mm. when you got to the whisperer section uh, did you find them to be the most interesting adversaries that our group has had to deal with? Yeah, it was uh, it was bloody good, wasn't it? It is um, bloody good. And this this was my favourite part of the uh, of the episode. Um, I spoke earlier uh, actually with Emma about the pacing of the episode. Mm. Perfect. It felt right. Nice didn't it? build up. Yeah. Nice mm. build up to the storm brewing throughout yeah, the episode. Yeah. It started with them seeing the walkers circling, which I like. They got that out of the way early. It was like yeah. this is quite cool. Yeah. I like that. It's Never. good. Um Did did you guys pick up on the Phantom Menace reference said by at all in any in any way, shape, or form? Talking about no. Jesus. Nice. So about Jesus. It was very Obi Wan sitting at the gates and then you know, Jesus getting stabbed. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very like, no, even shouts as John hates most of the time. No, like that. And it was, <laughs> I was like, right, I just ripped off Phantom Menace there. But we'll go with it. I liked it. Hey, look, well, last week we compared it to Tolkien. This week we're comparing it to... Oh, it's 100% Phantom Menace reference. But yeah. his death, obviously... He's not so much a teacher, though, is he? He's, you know, we're, well, he was, he was Jaron. Yeah, well, he was teaching Aaron, wasn't he? So he's yeah, the yeah, yeah, Padawan. Yeah, he was, yeah. And... The interesting thing about that death is that Jesus was so, he's so accomplished as a fighter. He was absolutely just tearing through those walkers, like Michonne style, which I loved. Mm. But, and even in last week's episode, they referenced the fact that, you know, you've got to expect the unexpected and stuff like that. Yeah. He would never be expecting that one's going to dodge, pull out a knife and whack it in his back. But there is no precedent for that. No precedent. And I like the way it referred to last week and Mm. him training Aaron in that respect, because... Look up. It's, imagine your group... (laughs) There was that amazing shot after he had the whisperer had stabbed him and said like you know know where you sh- you shouldn't trespass in these yep. areas or something. Yeah, like you are where you do not belong. And there was this really excellent shot of the characters looking through the gate at this walker who was just covered in sort of fog, terrifying, was... and had a knife, a massive knife in his hand, and Ooh. it was it was it was an excellent piece of direction. It's like, I felt. Um... He looked like a white walker. He did. He did. He looked yeah. like that ominous sort of, you know, when they're standing on the hill conducting yeah. the army. And that is essentially what they do. They mm. do use walkers in mass to destroy whole, you know, mini little civilizations that yeah. are building up And you're again. thinking, oh, man, like, look at this adversary. We're fuck- Oh, he's dead. Why have they done that? What killed that guy? Yeah. So this is an interesting comment. I think we'll talk about it more in the comic book section because mm. we're going to be talking about Fuming. two characters that we did not see in this mid-season finale. Mm. That mm. would, you know, for a second, I thought that was one of them. Yeah. And we'll come on to it in comic spoilers because I don't think it's fair to talk about it now. But yeah, I mean, I'm baffled at this point. You, yeah. There's, let's just say there's some, you know, the whispers are interesting, but you know, at least two kind of their of killed it for me a little. Yeah, two of their characters that we're going to see next season and have already been casted are you know, very interesting characters. So yeah. just look forward to that. I've got to ask something about this uh, this whole Whisperer arc in this episode. So obviously two weeks ago, we got to the end of the episode and my comment in the podcast was, hold on a minute, if we just got a talking walker and you went, no, 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 it's the Whisperers, which ruined everything for me. Um, but if you didn't know that and you just thought it was evolving talking walkers, how much more of an impact would this have had? Like you'd be fucking like, Oh, you Bombshelled. Think, you think they should have saved the reveal? The reveal, do you? No, no, I don't think they should. I don't think they should have saved the reveal. I think it was done amazingly. I just right. think that if you didn't know from episode six up until episode eight that yeah. it's people not evolving walkers, yeah, can yeah, you yeah. imagine the reaction you'd have to this? Well, when yeah. you read it, you have the same sort of reaction. To be mm. honest with you, because yeah. you know in the comic it is very much. You, you like the characters, you, not Eugene and it's Ken and Marco in the comics, in that sort of trench, <laughs> oh my God. covered in mud, and, and you hear them talking. And then, you know, when this scene sort of happens in the comics, which we'll talk about in Comic Corner, yep. you're like, fuck, <clears throat> what is going on here? And then there's the reveal. And the reveal, you know, is an amazing reveal, I think, because it just shows how far certain groups will go yep. to mm. survive in this new apocalyptic wasteland. Mm. Apocalyptic wasteland. Wow. Been playing too much Fallout. 
That's oh, going you're to talking about again. that again? <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> well, it's Daryl and the dog, you know. Dog me. Well, can we talk about Daryl and the dog? Because that's one of my, that's my second favourite bit can. of this episode. Um, Daryl and dog. I love it. They're brilliant. I, I don't like it. it. I think they're great. Why what don't you, you like about? it? They're going to kill the dog. Well, well it survived this, so just good saying. work. Just saying. It survived. Now, so I also just watched last week's episode um, in the last few days because I've been... Um, Hack. <laughs> That's why I didn't do the podcast last week. It's busy with, you know, other life. Um, Wish I had another life. <laughs> so do I. There you go. <laughs> Continue. So Daryl and Dog, um, they're like my two two favourite characters. Um, and after the peril of last week... Uh, oh, dog, dog shot up to number two, has he? So Daryl, number one. Negan was number two. Dog just sandwiched Darryl, in between Darryl, them. Daryl, Dog, Negan, yeah. That's exactly how it Vegan. goes. Wait a minute. If you rearrange those words. Anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sordid. Good. I'm not really sure where that's gone. Um, and I'm slightly disturbed and, um, and and worried about it. I just think it's great. And I think like the whole reintroduction of Daryl after the time jump and, and, and him being a part of this and Dog now being like an actual I love it. important character. I think it's fucking great. If you're going to make him wander around a wasteland and, you know, be a, be a lonely character... A dog is a perfect companion for him. And he's looking quite cool at the moment, Daryl. I quite like his well, poncho. Well, he's had his haircut. He's had his haircut, yeah, yeah. very much so. And poncho looks looking pretty fly. He's very capable, as we know, probably the most capable out of all of them. So I love the fact that he is like trying to run the show a little bit now. He's taking a little bit of leadership mm. here. Um, dog is obviously second in command, you know, so. Yeah, he is the... Um... The new leader of Hilltop, possibly Dog. I'm, I, I would vote for Dog. I'd vote for Dog. Yeah. Vote dog. I don't want dog to get a proper name either. I just want dog to be called dog. I hope they just do that as well. And If they start calling him like Nigel or well, something. Well, they've been playing Fallout as well, so it is what it is. <laughs> dog thing. Yeah. Um, that, that's an interesting uh, segue. I'm going to use that one for a while. In talking about like replacing characters, so, you know, could dog replace Jesus? Probably. Um, but one of the things <laughs> I didn't like in this episode was um, Enid and Alden. Wow, that was left field. That was left field. I mean, now I get it because they've been, Enid's been, you know, matey matey with Maggie for a while. Um, Very long time, yeah. A very long time. Now Maggie's just fucked off without any explanation. We don't want to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about it either. Um, Enid has apparently taken her place and is now snogging all over Alden. Well, Um, I And obviously then we've got. um, Looking a little bit like Maggie, Enid. Yeah, 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 maybe. Enid is mirroring Maggie. We've got Homicidal Henry taking on the role of Carl. Yes. Um, the dog taking the role of Jesus. Yeah, dog we, taking on the role of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Daryl taking on the role of Rick, potentially. Yes, I think that's very feasible. Um, so actually, it's quite interesting. I wonder, it, it, you know, who else is going to get replaced by a minor character? Yeah, it is interesting. I'm concerned by the age difference between Enid and Alden. Now, it was running through my head. I don't think it's that much. Well, Enid was Carl's age, so let's assume... 13 now she's probably <laughs> 19 right yeah. so we say six years have passed legal alden was about 28 i suppose it's no. fine no, no he was definitely not, 20, not that what old. you think he was like a 20 20 year old he was quite young okay wasn't he? okay i reckon there's probably a 10 year age gap between them which and is 19 and 28 is fine that is yeah. fine i guess if he was going out with judith you'd be like oh, what's okay going yes on here? yes that is true yeah mm. i re- re- uh, retract my statement well done alden <clears throat> good yeah. go- good going son well look he's, he's done Ooh. all right like, he's doing all right. Yeah. We don't have to egg him on, but I mean Maggie. I mean, right. let's be honest. Him and Maggie was obviously the match that they were going to set up until Maggie got her new show and films and <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Do you know yeah. what? Fair play to Lauren Cohen. Mm. Um, so are we not allowed to talk about Maggie? I don't think we need to. She's gone. What can we say about? I, I think she's gone, and and that is what it is. Let's move on from Maggie, like the show is doing. So no Maggie. One of my negatives, and I just mentioned her. No Judith. Yeah, that is mm. mad. What is this, man? We said last week that we need to see two things, Judith and Negan. They are yeah. musts yeah. for the episode. We got the Negan stuff, and we'll, I'll come on to that in Comic Corner because I'm not happy, John. I'm not happy. No, 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 neither am I. Like, But just the use of him. Like, uh, Do we have to keep seeing the same scene with him where yeah. he's winding someone up and then he feels slightly bad about that, it. Like... That's why a Judith scene would have paid off so much more there because they set up that relationship, that interesting conversational relationship and father-daughter mm. sort of relationship that they, they set mm. up. And they then decided to use Gaby in this episode, which mm. I understand uh. because of the Rosita motivations, but at the same time, 
like you said, him antagonizing adult characters into getting reactions out of them is not interesting to me anymore. He's well, been doing that. You. He's been doing mm. that for three seasons now. Yeah. Him talking to Judith and in the comics, Carl is is what fascinates me because it imparts wisdom on mm. these younger characters who are the future of the show and mm. the, the you know the communities. So. Yeah. I wanted to see Judith. Plus, I think she's really good. I think she's really good. I think she's a fresh addition for the show. Little firecracker. Little firecracker. Well, look, I, I mean, she's 50-50 for me thus far, but if she's going to grow on you, mm, you have just, to put her in you've scenes. got to feature her, man. 100%. And she wasn't really even mentioned in this episode no, either, which she, was a bit of a shame. Although, just a quick little oh. tidbit, we were told... Michonne's other child's name, RJ. RJ. I'm thinking Rick Jr. Yeah, potentially. What, what we thinking, team? I'm thinking. Oh, she's, I didn't even click that. I think he's named after DJ. DJ. He's obviously the father of that kid, oh. and not Rick. So that's what it is. Do you mean what was the T Dog? Oh, I'm thinking a T Dog. No, not T Dog. Well, How's he the one, father? <laughs> four <laughs> years Hell. before the fucking baby. I was just thinking about T Dog. Jesus. RJ. An elephant pregnancy. RJ, yeah. though. Like Rick, gestation period. Rick Jr. Let us know if you think it is Rick Jr. as well. I really hope it is. I love that. I can't think of anyone else with a name beginning with R. Rosita. Rosita Jr., maybe. Rosita Jesus. What, and they're like in some sort of lesbian surrogate relationship? Yeah, why not? Why not? With Gaby as well. Ugh, no, you've ruined it now. He's too busy fucking Negan in. The- <laughs> Could be. <laughs> to be know. fair, could be. He says he's getting very bored of those sessions, so <laughs> jazz things up, Negan. Leave it at that. Yeah. Pants down. Anyway, Ugh. sorry. Yeah. yeah, I mean that does make sense. It's it's the obvious, isn't it? It's not going to be anything else. <laughs> but yeah, no, no. Judith was definitely a negative for this episode and mm. a slight misstep because we haven't seen this since episode six, so it's a bit of a a bit of a gap to not see such an integral character as we think she is going to be. Yeah. Speaking of integral characters, and uh, we sort of touched on this already, but let's um, let's talk about how we feel about losing Jesus. I think it's a big loss, actually. After losing a character like Rick, one of the more interesting characters, certainly in terms of moral positioning and also the fact that he's one of the coolest choreographed fighters in the show, mm. I think it's a tad bit of a shame. But, if you know, as I said to you last week, John... If they start killing off characters unexpectedly, willy-nilly, <laughs> then I am all for that because that no. is the sort of danger that the show has been missing. Danger. The mortality needs to be there. There was a period for about 10 episodes back in season five when no one was getting a serious death. Um, you know, and everyone was safe. Just funny ones. Yeah, so ah. I respect them for doing it. I'm annoyed because we're not going to get more cool choreography stuff but uh, mm. you know it's the right call if they wanted to lose a character that wasn't another major major character yeah. but definitely an upper tier B level character mm-hmm. see I threw this in as um, a negative for me and John and I were talking about this earlier in the in the um, in the fact that he's been massively massively underused this season yeah. which is such a shame well, just and in so, general well, well yeah. his, his use in all out war was very frustrating because his position on We've keeping just not been in it. well his position on keeping prisoners i felt was very ludicrous and led to a lot of complicated scenes last season with maggie at the hilltop that were just wasting time mm. especially for the payoff that you got at the end of it you know, in the comics, we'll come on to him as well in a, in, a, in a later section. But he is a far more interesting character, and he gets a lot. He's a lot harder. He's a lot steelier. He understands mm. the things that need to be done. Here, I found him very morally like where Rick was, where he just left the show. Mm. And Ambivalent. Yeah, mm. but you want to see a bit of fluctuation in characters from now and then. Not Morgan levels of fluctuation because that is ridiculous. <laughs> oh God! But you want to see a little flirtation with the dark side every now and then. <laughs> Well, on a bit of a side note, we had a little bit of a, um, a nod to Morgan, didn't we? Uh, when Morgan. homicidal Henry yes. uh, killed the, the walker in the pit and the, one of the kids went, oh, why, why have you done that? So it's a very long story. Mm. It will take me yeah. too long to explain. <clears throat> you fucktard. Can I, uh, before we go on to those kids who are shit. Oh, God. Um, oh, God. Well, no, I mean, and I'll explain fully in a bit, but just to reference Jesus, um, I think losing... Show Jesus, yeah, for this episode is a good thing, yeah, because mm. it needed it. Yeah. It's the right thing to do. We discussed last week. I mean, you for a joke said that they were going to kill off T 
TJ or DJ or whatever that guy's name is. Oh, yeah. Budget yeah. Sawyer. Budget Sawyer, the I fit like, one. Can you imagine if that would have been the death? <laughs> oh, no, not him. Oh, fuck off. I would have been devastated. Um, that would have been shit. Uh, that would have been a free bloobs for me. But um, they needed that shock moment. And uh, and I, I did say, like, Tom Payne, he's good. He is good. He's going to yeah. go off and do better things than this. Yeah. Um, and just a reference, did you see his comments uh, this I, morning? I haven't read the article yet. I have seen the article, but I have not read the article. So Tom Payne said he would rather go out like this with a shocking death than just knock about the hilltop for another two seasons doing nothing. Yeah, I bet, is, that, is I bet that set is fucking boring. Yeah. You know? Also, he's um, hardly ever on it. He's massively frustrated with his role. Like He, he feels like he's been misused and missold. Shafted, role, some would say. Well, and, and I think you're right, and, oh. and he's right to say that, and they were right to make this choice for his character because they haven't. They've massively underused him. What's also interesting is that um, Tom Payne trained at the same drama school as um, Andrew Lincoln, and the same Jedi school as Obi-Wan. Yeah, which is ironic, <laughs> really, considering Phantom Menace and all that. Um, and Andrew Lincoln was like Tom Payne's acting hero for years. Um, well, that is nice, isn't and it? And now he's gone to work on the same show and, and he's, he's been used shitly. He's probably gutted that Andrew he didn't get Lincoln more scenes. Andrew Lincoln was his acting hero. Andrew yeah. Lincoln is awesome. Oh, yeah, from but I mean... Unbelievable from, actor. From years ago, what? From Teachers or Love Actually? Hey, te- Love Actually. Well, well te- Teachers now. is pretty good. If you haven't seen Teachers, I know, it. but acting hero, come on now. Yeah, true. Well, true. I might have slightly exaggerated, but you know. Well, fact, Tom you listens should. to this, so Tom, write in, let us know. Can you imagine that? And send me Listen your number. Listen to feedback next week. Uh, got a message direct, from Tom Direct number. Send Emma your number so she can skip out on another podcast, go on a date with you instead. I think yeah. that's a legitimate reason to skip Walking Dead podcast. <laughs> Don't you? Yeah, well, no, podcast live. Coming at you live from the <laughs> Ivy. Can we get back to these drunk kids? Let's... Oh, come on, let's talk about the drunk kids then. I... I mean, again, I feel like you like the kids. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. I, last week I left, you, I left you for one episode and, I mean, the amount of times you referenced pulling it off was unreal. <laughs> and those noises. Fuck knows what you two were up Well, to. me and John, as I said, <clears throat> love a little rough and tumble. tumble. And, and unfortunately, <laughs> the shock death in the, the fan critical group, it might be John. In Could which be. case, now I get no rough and tumble. Yeah. Rumble. Um, <laughs> wow. So why why do you like these kids? Why do I like these kids? Um, why do I specifically like the group of drunk teenagers in this episode? Is you what you're see trying to say yourself in them. <laughs> oh, you can fucking talk, Len. <laughs> Jesus. Um, no, do you know what? I actually, what I liked about it, and, and this was echoed by an article I read earlier as well. Um, I think it might have been on Vulture. I can't remember. Uh, oh, don't shout them out. They're not shouting us out. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. Well, yeah. right. Well, might have been Zimbio. Who knows? Yeah. Hey, Zimbio. Another sci-fi podcast. Yeah. They're good, though. Um, but the, it echoes, and this is one of the things we've been talking about. It echoes the realities of society. Eventually, teenagers get bored, and they go off, and they get shit-faced. They do wanky things, and then all they want to talk <laughs> yeah. about is having sex yeah. and going to be a fisherman so they can shaggle the women. I the completely agree with Emma for a change, and I will say we agree a lot. This, yeah, I know, but this is something that we wanted. I wanted to see because I was worried when we lost Carl that we wouldn't see the different levels of the communities that we were talking about. And one of those big sections of the community is the adolescent youth and how a lot of them are just absolute twats in the comic. They are Mm. awful, awful people. And there's amazing scenes that I'll reference later on in Comic Corner that we're sort of echoing here. To see this sort of different dynamic of the communities is so important. And, and and I applaud them for trying it. The problem is sometimes drunk teenagers just come across as awful actors. And that is just the way it is. <laughs> I thought it was quite funny. Yeah. But also, um, one of they were talking at one point before they got him off to get him drunk. They got him off? Oh, Jesus. Well, <laughs> he wasn't there, was he? he was, oh! He's <laughs> 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 kind of hot, yeah? <laughs> um, uh, talking about like oh, whether three you... boys, yeah. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Three boys, one girl, two cups. Um, one zombie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But they were talking at one point about um, whether you'd just grown up in the same community and never left it or whether you'd travelled around. And that was one of the things yes. we talked about before is, is you know, the, the kids who would grow up in one community or they'd grow up in these zombie apocalypse and never yeah. know any different and those who might remember a life before. And we yeah. just talked about how Tom Payne is bored 
you know, just being on the set of Hilltop. I mean, Hilltop isn't very expansive. You know, it's it's literally a fenced-in old colonial home, and they've sort of expanded to a couple of fields. It's got, yeah. it's got bigger. Yeah, but it's it, essentially imagine it's like a prison. Imagine being trapped there for you know, he said like seven years or something. I mean, it's mm. absolutely bizarre. Like, mm. so you would be terribly bored there. I mean. Drinking moonshine or whatever would definitely be the way I would go. Mm. Although I'm not sure that one mouthful of moonshine will make you fall over with No, that was weird. That was weird. All right, so th- this is where we get onto the acting because I completely agree uh, with the fact that I, when they were not drunk, when they were just sitting there chatting, mm. it was right. I'm like, this is good. Yeah, it's all right. Mm. Because it's interesting yes. to hear the perspective of kids that have grown up in this world. 100%. They don't know anything else. And you could expect that they wouldn't see things the way that as, the adults see them yeah. more serious to an extent yeah don't take the danger seriously because yeah. kids are fucking morons no my uh my issue was just the abysmal acting um i i mean i hate actors acting drunk anyway yeah doesn't help if you've not been to the school that tom and andrew have been yeah obviously they clearly can't act drunk no and they shouldn't even have attempted to I think we could be cast in the show if we just went. I, I don't think the I'd cast. We are pissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I bet you yeah. Would, yeah. The next thing I was going to say was about the kid pissing on the zombie, but then it got weird. Oh fucking hell! Yeah, what's that oh, all about? What was uh, that? I, you know, I did like horrid Henry's reaction or homicidal Henry's reaction horrid to Henry. you know horrid Henry. Horrid Henry. Horrible, horrible yeah. I no, I did very much like his reaction of going there a bit pissed, taking on the walker and killing it for respect reasons because I always mm. find it. Tragic, even still now, when you know people <laughs> taunt the walkers a bit. It's just still a bit... people. Well, oh, fucking. In hell. this episode, though, it's interesting. This because... is the society we live in. Yeah. And now you're going to start a movement for zombie zombies. Rights. But no, no it is the... interesting in this episode if you take the context of people who don't know who the whisperers are, and then you think the, the walkers are talking. And there was massive plot points back in the governor's sort of era. Mm trying mm-hmm. to re-stimulate the walkers to have memories yeah. of their loved ones or they played the music. So the idea the of it is... the governor had his daughter around 100%. As well, it's like... very fascinating and something that Romero obviously explored a lot in some of his films mm. and even some of his later incarnation of films, experiment with the ideas of zombies inheriting back their human traits, mm. going through the motions of their jobs, being able to use weapons, remembering mm. loved ones. And it's very fascinating. So I think that's I'm a big of fan the reason, of it. I think that's part of the reason they used this scene, though, was to um, have more of an impact at the end of the episode for those who didn't know about the Whisperers. Yeah. Um, thinking that maybe they are evolving back into having personalities. And actually, yeah, you should think about it before you torture them. Yeah. Because if that was just a person or it was an animal, True. Trust, you'd go prison for that. Well, yeah. And In America, you die for that. It was... Uh, the kids, stu- the, the, <laughs> Jesus, the kids stuff was, was actually okay. I know the acting was terrible, John, and I, I'm with you on that. Obviously, now, homicidal, horrid Henry uh, is... You know, after Enid's affections, but Aww. there is that other girl that you know. Well, there was always a little moment between them, mm. so that was very. What was her name? Addie. Addie, yeah. Short for mm. Adeline. So, or Adelaide. Or yeah, and Adam it's very what? interesting to see how that goes <laughs> along. I predict that Addie will die some way <laughs> because that is just I'll the way these things go. So, mm. see you later, Addie. That's my death prediction for next season. Maybe Enid will die and then Addie Enid. will fall in love with Alden yeah, if and Enid Henry will if, be heartbroken all over again. If Enid dies, I think that would actually be a shame. But I have... Uh, my hatred of Enid has lessened somewhat since she's become a capable person. Well, I've got some theories that relate Ooh. to the comics that will <laughs> spell maybe a bit of trouble for at least Ooh. Addie or Enid coming Ooh. up. Stick around for Comic Corner. Ooh, fucking promoing your own section already. Len, what about you? Anything you want to talk about before we get onto your, your mag, 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 magma, magna? No, magna and the group. Jesus. Yumiko, magna, Luke, and the others that I can never remember the name of. They're sometimes. growing on me, you know. They are, and they are an interesting band of characters. I like the way that we are now seeing a bit more of them. They're warming to this horrible tension that Michonne and stuff, they came to help at the end of the episode, which I felt was a very strong move from them. And What are you doing here? Earning our keep. Love that. Mm. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it's a bit of a cheesy line, but I love mm. the fact that Magna, who is a character I like and is similar to Michonne, the problem I have with her is she's too hardened at the moment. And yeah. I like to see these characters break down a little and maybe they can bring out a little bit of compassion between mm. the two of them. Mm. I like the group. I can't wait to see their reaction to what's going on. I can't wait to see 
if they want to stay or they want to go, mm. especially when stuff with the Whisperer War really kicks off. That yeah. is going to be fascinating. Well, actually, now that you've said that, I have got one more thing I'd like to talk about. Um, what do we think is the thing that has driven Michonne and Maggie and, you know, partly Carol apart? I have something in feedback ooh, that might ooh. refer to this. So I think we should talk about it there. We talked about the right. exes last week. Let's move on to the exes. Well, look. Uh- Next. Still intrigued. Just believe the ex is alone. Very intrigued. And Carol seems very like soft in that exchange. Mm. All right. So yeah, we've talked through everything we liked, didn't like. Let's move on to uh, comic corner and then listener feedback. If you don't want any comic spoilers, then switch off now. If you do, stick with us as I hand the reins over to Len and cue awesome musical intro. Carl. Yes, welcome to the mid-season finale of Comic Corner, and today there is a lot of stuff to discuss. Let's start off with our favourite duo, Henry, or slash Carl. So we've been talking about the similarities in the characters for pretty much all of the seasons since episode six, when we saw that Henry had grown up into a capable fighter and was taking over blacksmithing, which is, as we said, is something that Carl does pretty much in exactly the same way in the comics. Mm. There are several more interesting Carl and Henry comparisons in this episode. First of all, let's discuss the sort of relationship setup that we're getting between Henry and Enid. Now, obviously, Enid is not a comic character. However, who still does exist in the comics is Sophia, mm. Carol's daughter. Whoa. She is alive and well and very similar age to Carl. So they're trying to set up that same relationship situation, right, John? Yeah. Sophia's also got that, like, she's quite hardened. And yes, very hardened. A bit moody. Yeah, she is. She's she's a teenager. Very like Enid. Yeah, she's struggling. And she's, I think she's, she's like, she's doing well. nurse sort of stuff in the comics That's as well, right. I think. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so Enid has picked up her role kind of thing. And I suppose in the comics, it's Michonne and Ezekiel, not Carol and Ezekiel, isn't it? Correct. So no Michonne exists. and Ezekiel are together in the comics. But the comparisons do not stop there. <laughs> Carl and Henry are both imprisoned. So Henry's imprisonment is, you know, a nod to Carl's punishment in the comics. But what Carl does in the comics is fucking awesome. He basically, Sophia is being attacked by a group of rowdy, adolescent, drunken teens. Mm-hmm. And Carl, he's being taunted like, oh, this is the famous Carl Grimes, you know, Rick Grimes' son. And Carl just beats them to within an inch of their lives. He absolutely goes to town on them for trying to attack Sophia. For that, Maggie throws him in the cells and they're trying to decide what they need to do with Carl, which is going to lead on to some interesting situations with a member of the Whisperer group. Mm. Now, this is a slight spoiler, so if you don't want to hear anything about this, you can skip forward. There is a chance that they will not even use this plotline. We don't know. However, it's very interesting, and I think the way they've been using Henry suggests that they are going to use this character. Alpha's daughter is imprisoned and also then Carl forms a very close relationship with her in the comics, which leads to a serious confrontation between the Whisperers and our communities. Do you want to explain who Alpha is? So let's jump on to a bit of Whisperer knowledge so you've got a bit of context there. Alpha is the leader of the Whisperers. She has been cast. She is one of the women in the sort of pools in Minority Report, if I remember correctly. Samantha Morton. So she is the leader of the Whisperers and her second in command is Beta, who John was referring to, who he thought we saw at the end of the episode there. However, that is not the case. Beta is easily probably the strongest whisperer to be honest with you and not seeing alpha or beta at the end of this episode was a surprise because Mm. in the comics we see a very very similar scene to what happens here the setting is slightly different and the characters are very different because the search group that goes out to find what's going on is dante doug and a random guard guy okay (laughs) but they are confronted by walker walkers wielding knives They do their best to fend them off, but only Dante survives. If you imagine Dante is similar to sort of 
Al Alden at this point, I would say, in the yeah. comics. Yeah. He holds his own, finds that the walkers are pe merely people wearing masks. Merely. And then he's horrified. He has no time to react before Alpha holds him at gunpoint with a shotgun <laughs> and tells him not to move. So we didn't get Alpha. Mm. But that is an amazing ending to that issue of the comic where you turn around and Alpha's just holding up a shotgun to his head and says, don't move. Yeah. And that's the introduction we get to her character, which is why it was a bit of a shame we didn't see her here. But her daughter <clears throat> is intrinsically linked to the Whisperer War and, you know, the future of the comic. She's still in it now. Mm. And her relationship with Carl is extremely interesting. Especially if you think about what it's like being a kid growing up in our communities. Imagine what it's like being a kid growing up when your mother is the leader of the Whisperers, a very feral and basic group of humans who use walker skin to camouflage themselves. Yeah, I very, think it'd be awesome. Very animalistic group. Very animalistic. And that is why I'm hoping we get a similar storyline with Henry here, because he's obviously horny. You know, he's, he's, he's looking around. And... <laughs> This well, is going to be a perfect. That you just said Henry is obviously horny. Well, Are we going to call him Horny Henry? Now? Well, that is what, that, yeah. that's what they call him on Twitter. So we'll call horny, him Horny homicidal Henry. Homicidal Henry, <laughs> and those two things are obviously very close to each other. So anyway, I hope we do mm. see more of that. Yeah. It will be very, very interesting. Mm. Shall we move on to Negi Negan? Negi. Yeah, like Negi. Now. There is a very similar situation that happens in the comics with the door or the cell door being open. The only issue I have with this sequence is that Negan in the comics refuses to leave his cell. Instead, mm. hoping that his, you know, trust and being in the cell still will impress Rick and prove to Rick that he is trustworthy and has learnt and atoned for his sins. <clears throat> However, Rick does not see it this way. He does appreciate Negan's obviously, you know, staying in the cell, mm. but he doesn't yet trust him at this point. And yeah. it isn't until much later in the comics that he is, you know, needed in the battle against the Whisperers. What is interesting is that Negan does leave in the show. I think that's a shame because I think it shows the level of remorse that he had with the Maggie conversation only like two years after being captured. And here should be even more, if you if you if you mm. get what I mean. He trudges back into his cell when he was let out of it mm. with the Maggie situation, and here he walks out. Let's just say that <clears throat> Negan's adventures do have a massive impact on the Whisperer War. I can't wait for season nine, part two, the adventures of Negan. And you know, <laughs> Negan is Negan is easily the most fascinating comic book character. I, I personally think, and I think he's the most diverse character of the show. Uh, and, and the comic has. So I hope that he gets a lot more range to work with here. And he will. And and that's going to be exciting for everyone to see. I also, oh, my God. Could you imagine? Well, I was about to suggest that might happen. I also think that um, his walking out of the cell was really downplayed in the episode. It wasn't really a big deal. And it kind of went by in a bit of a flash. Yeah. Which is a shame, I think. Because if you're going to do it, make it something. Or, or don't fucking bother. Hmm. Well, they've left it. They've left yeah. us on tender hooks, clearly, to sort of say, "What is he going to do?" And that is kind of what you think in the comic as well, because the last panel of the comic where you see his door is open is just a shot of him saying, "What the fuck?" And the door is open, and it's not till the next issue that you find out that he just closes it back up again, which was a massive surprise to everyone who was mm. reading the comic. So let's see what happens with that. I hope they don't make him do anything stupid and they give him the room to breathe like the comic really does. Let's yeah. hope he just gets out and uh, starts building the Owl Festival. Well, Could and happen. picking strawberries. What you doing there, darling? And on that note, let's move on to feedback. Thanks, Len. Uh, we've got a really interesting Comic Corner this week, so that opens up a lot of stuff for us Finally. to mull over. And lots of good stuff to come, hopefully, in yeah. the second half of season nine and lots to mull over in in the interim between uh, now and the beginning of the next half of the season mm. so all that's left to do now is uh, go through some feedback Ooh. yes and if anyone would like to write to us all they have to do is email fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com that is fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com or alternatively visit any of our social media platforms be that Facebook which is just fancritical Instagram, which is fan underscore critical, or Twitter, which is at fan critical pod. Reply to any of our posts, and if we like your comments, they might get a mention on the podcast. 
There you go. No pressure at all, guys, to make sure that it has good content. Uh, but we will reply and we love getting feedback. It does really help shape our opinions and uh, how we take the rest of the show. So first bit of feedback this week is from Jackie Torrance, who is a fan of ours from the uh, Castle Rock Critical podcast. Yes, the Castle, the Castle Hi, Rock Jackie. crew. Hello, Jackie. Howdy. Um, I did not know she was a Walking Dead fan, so this is exciting. Uh, so Jackie says this. I feel like they ran out of time to give her, Maggie... Yes, Maggie. A proper send-off with a few scenes at least explaining her reasoning for leaving Hilltop. Instead of the viewers having to get the information on her whereabouts from other characters, and then we don't even know why she decided to leave and what went down between her and Michonne. Which is a very good point. Very good point. Mm -hmm. Very good point. we are angry with. Yes. So Jackie has a theory. She says that uh, whatever happened between her and Michonne has something to do with the X scars on Michonne and Daryl's backs. Okay, what if that is how Maggie punishes those people who commit crimes against her? In effect, the more severe your crime, the more exes that you get. Very interesting, I think. Interesting, and both Michonne and well, Daryl's definitely committed some sort of you know sin against Maggie <clears throat> by getting Glenn killed, which I still think he was let too easily off the hook for. But it does beg the question: What the hell did Michonne do in the last six years to make Maggie scar her? If that is the case, mm. nobody likes exes. No. No, that is true. Um, but Jackie does also say, that being said, I do like that both Maggie and Rick have the ability to return to the show in the future. I think that was a smart move on the showrunners' part by leaving both of their characters alive and open to returning. Mm. And that is a very, very good point. Also a bit weak. It's weak, but it's nice that you can suddenly have an amazing episode where these characters return. And I Hello, think we are back now. Season, twen- season 20 of The Walking Dead, when mm. Andrew Lincoln is like, he's just given up on acting and he's just gone back to this. <laughs> he's been on I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here as well. Yeah. Oh, is he? No, he could be. So our other bit of feedback this week is from Elizabeth, who's been following our coverage of this season right from the beginning. And she says this. It's an interesting analogy with the violin in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. Yes, Neanderthals were not the clods we once thought. Very good word. Cloddy Neanderthals. Very good word. And Homo sapiens and Neanderthals met and intermingled. And Neanderthal DNA is present in modern man's DNA. I knew something was wrong with John. Yep, John is the prime example of this. (laughs) (laughs) That is what Neanderthals sounded like. All right, John, all right. So, perhaps music, e.g. a violin, is a symbolic representation in the telling of how man continued to evolve and survive, not through what he's willing to do for it, as in survival of the fittest, i.e. Michonne killing uh, Stradivarius. Poor little instrument. Which is incapable of protecting itself, but man's creative, cooperative (laughs) and peaceful nature. If the Stradivarius could protect itself, that would be brilliant. Oh, they're bloody brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Agreed. Um, (laughs) No! It's a musical one. Um, but she also says it had the feeling of a commentary on Darwinian man and evolution versus creative and cooperative man and or the link in the relationship between the two concepts. And I think actually what Elizabeth is saying here is really interesting. Is She's echoing what Luke said um, in last episode, so episode seven, Stradivarius, in that it wasn't just about survival of the fittest. It was also about intellectual development and storytelling, which encourages communities to... Uh, cohabit and coexist or for one of them to die out because they don't have any brains one or the other mm, yes I will not rib on John again but there are so many things I could say here that we will just leave. I don't know what's going on we'll just this. leave it unsaid yeah I know you don't understand intellectual stuff so Straight it's fine of my head. <laughs> I just really enjoyed being able to call Neanderthals clods that's great cloddy Cloddy. Um, so that is it for our feedback this week. Uh, both very good uh, comments on various different things. So thank you very much, ladies. Um, and, and that is the end of the fan critical coverage of The Walking Dead Season 9 for the first half. Hey, No, you're supposed to be sad. Oh, all right, yeah. I'm looking forward to a little break, though, to be fair. I do like these little mid-season breaks. They give us a little bit of a refresher, time to, you know, take some stock and Mm. really think about what we want to see in the next half season. And I also think taking in all of the things that we've talked about that are potential (laughs) theories behind that and and everything else. So before we finish up uh, for a few months' break on Walking Dead, Mm. would everybody like to give us a very short prediction on what they think will happen in the second half of season nine? Well, I better not. I better not. (laughs) Oh, for fuck's sake, I thought that was what you're hinting at. No, I would love to give you a prediction, but unfortunately for anyone who skipped the comic corner section, I don't think it's fair for me to give any mm. predictions because I am biased and I have insider knowledge, obviously because John is now writing on the show about what is going to happen. Yeah, 
I pretty much know what's going to happen. So. And John shouldn't say anything because he'll say something random. Like, and it will happen like, anyway. Like, Daryl will now get with Aaron and <laughs> it will happen. And then everyone will be like, well, fuck it. You, you know? were sort of shipping that bit last Oh, week. 100%. I've yeah. been shipping that for years. As Aaron. has a lot of the fandom. Hmm. So, well, let's Darren not talk about the fan fiction, eh? Uh, so, well, in that case, then, our prediction for the second half of season nine is purely Daryl and Aaron. That's it. I like that one, though. Darren. That's a, that's a safe Aaron. sort of prediction that, that, that will, you know, we're not giving away deaths like John does every week. And we're not doing, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, uh, <laughs> relationships, yeah? Mm. Yeah. I don't write any relationship stuff anyway. No, you're not really into that. I just you? do killy killy fight gun. Yeah, of course. That is it from us uh, for now. So we will see you when the second half of the season comes back. But as Len said earlier, please don't shy away from sending us your feedback in the interim. Any theories that you've got, we'll come back to you. We'd love to talk about it. And uh, I'm sure there will be something in between this mid-season finale and the opening of the next half season with some thoughts on what might be happening there. The, feed, the and- feedback doesn't always have to be written. Like you could just record something or just play it on it and send yeah. it in. You know, we are looking That's into alternative ways of feedback. We are looking into our end of year review, which mm-hmm. is something we do every year. Mm. And we are trying to shake up certain sections of the podcast and keep things fresh and, you know, have a different take to what we usually do. So if you would like to record anything, we do accept any sort of voice memo, MP3, WAV file, whatever you like, send it in. <laughs> a WAV file? Yeah, you know, people who are technical get it. Just yeah. uh, send it in and we'll add it into the podcast. Maybe we'll make a little segment out of it or something for next season. Just to say as well, if you have listened to this Walking Dead half season and you have just discovered us, please do subscribe and also pass it on to your friends. If you know anyone that is actually in love with The Walking Dead and you like our take on it, <laughs> there's not many of them, but uh, do forward it on to anyone. You know, we appreciate the support and, you know, the support has been amazing this year, actually. So that's it. Uh, it's goodbye from me. I'll be back for the next half of the season. And John, say goodbye. Hello and goodbye. Well done. Yep. Close enough. Then say goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. See you Walking Dead fans in February. See you later. Have a good Christmas. Happy New Year. (laughs) Which means happy Christmas. 